0: Hi, everyone. Welcome back to Prevention Nation,
1: where we believe education and awareness can change the culture of violence.
0: My name is Roy Lutz.
1: And I'm Caitlin Wagenfield.
0: Welcome back to Prevention Nation. It's Roy here with Caitlin, and uh, we are talking sports and violence.
1: And I love sports. I don't love violence.
0: I predicted that because in our first take, (laughs) yeah, right. So this is uh, for our listeners. This is our second take, which happens often. It's a Yeah, when you come into subjects like this, I mean, there's so much content and so many things that we try to research beforehand, try to learn and try to just acclimate ourselves to the conversation. So, yeah, so take two, right?
1: I needed a rewind. Yeah, rewind. I felt that way all day. I just need to rewind a little bit. Okay, so um, we were talking just in the office in general with our co-workers a lot about football recently because football season has officially started Yep, yeah,
0: week two just done and yeah and,
1: and i feel like everybody here is super big into football except for you
0: yep all the women and uh just this one guy over here that's not well, well we, we do have two guys here but that's for next episode um you'll have to wait on that one but yeah so yeah i'm i'm not the big sports fan like you old ladies are
1: But you are super aware of a lot of the stuff going on in the sports field. Oh, yeah. 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 So, it's you were able to contribute to this conversation. Yeah, I think so. So, the Bengals, um, I'm a big Bengals fan, who day, they just played the Browns two weeks ago. And there was a conversation about the Browns and their season, how they're dedicating this year to Jim Brown. And he he was in the Browns for nine seasons, I believe, and he just died this past May at 87 years old. Wow. But he was a right. big component of pushing for racial justice in the NFL in general and sports and just across America. But he was also incredibly violent towards women, specifically black women. So they're just saying it's controversial for them to be, on like, honoring him this season.
0: Okay. Well, I mean, it, and specifically the Browns, you know, I mean, that's – um, I mean, when you have other notable cases of um, reports and allegations of violence with uh, Deshaun Watson. And, you know, I mean, so you already have this a team that has some notable people connected yeah. to violence perpetrated against women. And then you have then this team dedicating a game in there in that name. It's It's really... complex situation.
1: Yeah, so Deshaun Watson, he had 26 accused women. So women accused him of 26 counts between 2021 and 2022. So within a year, he had 26 counts of sexual harassment. And
0: what's his contract right now? Oh, Right? I mean, I don't even know. It's painful to talk about how much money... Yeah, when you think about when we, you know, part of our conversation and building up to this um, was just, you know, centered around All the different components of violence and sports and the connections, and obviously for this uh, conversation, we've narrowed it down to I don't know about twelve. But I mean, there's there's it's a complex system of uh, social norms that perpetuate violence, and I just think that you know, in few other places do we have it so socially acceptable to a point where we have players getting paid and signing contracts for millions upon millions of dollars um and yet uh you know with all this with all this uh, history of you know violence alleged violence against people um i i just think especially in a world where we see movie stars we see accountability growing in some of these areas people getting canceled shows canceled because of things that people have said and done and yet somewhere in the sports industry it seems to be okay
1: and it's up to the systems ultimately. Mm-hmm. So we're calling out specific names, Jim Brown, Deshaun Watson, but ultimately the systems are supporting them. You're right.
0: Oh yeah, I mean, I it's been years. Uh, so there, I'm not going to rehash it too much, but it's been years since I saw the, um, uh, the Hernandez, um, A- Aaron. Aaron Hernandez movie documentary and the the violence that they not just tolerated but excused, defended legally. Um, just some of the things, the behaviors that the NFL did. They put him up in a like he had all this money, was on the team, but they also rented an apartment for him to have mistresses and sell drugs. I mean, wow, this is a system that's literally built like a fortress to keep uh, violence going because why? What's the benefit to it?
1: I mean, they're athletes. They make all this money off these athletes, but they're the ones that are perpetuating the violence.
0: They are, and I, I think one of the things that was interesting <clears throat> that I'll bring into the conversation is I used to run our Coaching Boys and Men program, and one of the things that uh, I had um, some wonderful football coaches here in Warren County, some wonderful basketball coaches, um, a couple of those names, Brad Childers and, and Brian Bales and some of these um, really insightful coaches understood that part of the Coaching Boys and Men program is an awareness to athletics is built on. The idea of football, the idea of basketball, the idea of hockey is built around um, aggression. It's needed. It's integral in the sport, right? I can't have um, a hockey team that's not aggressive. In fact, one time um, many years ago, I brought my wife to a hockey game in Oregon and she was so confused. In the first three minutes, there was a little bit of skating, a little bit of puck handling, and a lot of fist fighting, to the point where even the, you know if, I don't know you watch hockey right.
1: The best part of hockey is the fist fight.
0: Okay, right. So these these you know the the referees the um they step back and they let the fight happen until it goes to the ground, then they break it up. And my wife was confused by that, and I I turned to her and I joked, and you know, when she looked confused. Um, I, having grown up in Minnesota, a hockey state, um, I told her, I said, I know, isn't it ironic? Um, it's like if you went to a boxing match and a hockey game broke out, right? It's just, it's it's part of hockey. Fighting is part of hockey. So aggression is part of sports. You need it. It's necessary. Um,
1: but at what point do we take that into the real world?
0: Yeah. So that was my coaching boys in the program. My, my coaching boys in the men program was all about aggression is healthy on the field, but it how does it how does it factor into our lives when it goes off the field so yeah
1: yeah i get asked that question a lot in my classes that i teach so i'm teaching the high schoolers i deal with a lot of athletes mm-hmm. um, especially with these opt out rules on health now where kids can opt out of taking health depending on if they took it in junior high or if they took it online a lot of the kids that i'm seeing in health classes are the student athletes that want to be with whatever coach is yeah. teaching And I get asked a lot about team dynamics. Mm -hmm. So I teach bystander intervention. And one of the big scenarios, I start with it because it's always so controversial for, especially my student athletes, where the scenario is um, people are, people, your teammates are in the locker room and they're joking about people of opposite gender in a derogatory way. And then I say, What could be helpful what could be hurtful what are the barriers to you doing anything and then kids without a doubt always say but why should I have to do something here well
0: yeah okay so that and that's you know so that's a complicated thing I mean locker talk it doesn't do any harm right does it does it actually do any harm
1: I mean it perpetuates violence
0: yeah I mean obviously and I'm being facetious when I ask that I mean you know um I was reading, uh, this article that was saying locker room talk, um, is not harmful. In fact, um, it was said that, uh, locker room talk is, uh, unity and it's about sharing, going through something together, um, that it is, um, how we connect, uh, how we go through, we're going through similar things, um, and that, yeah, that it's not, uh, innately, um, Misogynistic or violent against um, people of the other sex, but it perpetuates um, it perpetuates unhealthy behaviors about people from gender, sex has a whole bunch of homophobic undertones.
1: Mm-hmm. So, and that's what I tell the kids in class,
0: mm-hmm. and they still disagree.
1: Well, do they disagree? Not necessarily. I think they understand at that point, but then the question is that idea of the barrier. What is the barrier in the situation that those are their teammates? And the idea that if they're going to speak out against them, that there could be negative consequences for them. Because they don't like the negative consequence of being left out of the team because if everybody else is joining in and they're the one to stand
0: okay. up about it. Okay, that makes sense because like what I was, one of the things I was looking up was uh, saying specifically that, um, you know, as far as complicitness. Mm-hmm. Uh, the reasons why that uh, a lot of uh, high school boys when asked athletes are asked why they're complicit they give these reasons it's they think it's wrong but the issue is too small to really make a big deal out Mm -hmm. of um they say that um it just they think that it's bad but it's going to take a huge effort um and they don't want to deal with that kind of effort um they'll dismiss it because it's just a joke it's don't take it so seriously so they do a lot of dismissal which is also a form of deflection um denial um they say that's Not how we really feel. We're just venting. We're letting off steam. Or the deflection, specifically deflection, when they say, you don't get it. You just don't understand. Um, And then defensiveness, which, you know, some of their excuses are, it's not all women we're talking about. It's not even any women. In fact, it's just this, uh, you can't, my listeners can't hear, but I'm doing a little air quote. It's just like, it's just women. You know, it's like this fake concept of women. Well... Yeah, it, that's problematic. That's real problematic.
1: It's definitely problematic. And even when they do see something wrong with it and they want to say something, especially these kids that I'm talking to, they're freshmen, sometimes sophomores, at like the oldest, pretty much. But they're like the lowest on the totem pole. Mm-hmm. So they don't really have any power. They might not be the best person to handle that situation. So then I go into talking about who could be the best person to handle this. And yeah. ultimately, they result in the coaches. Mm-hmm. So coaches should be handling situations like this. I know you had pulled up um, something you had showed me last year that I bring up to my classes of a coach that t- took the lead on a situation like this. Is it TCU?
0: Yes, TCU. Uh, with Texas, Texas Christian University. Yeah, I mean, it was. it's a video I saw last, I think it was last year, I saw it for the first time, and then it just popped up again on uh, some of my algorithms. But, yeah, it's a coach standing in in a locker room so i mean literally i think it's pertinent to this conversation because we're talking about locker room talk well what is real locker room talk mm-hmm. is it this misogynistic homophobic uh, aggressive violent nature or is this tcu um coach showing us what locker room talk is really supposed to be about and he's talking to him about consent i mean talks to him explicitly about and what i think is co- the coolest part is about its ongoing consent i mean he makes mm-hmm. it very clear if she says um yes at the stadium um, great, but that yes at the stadium does not mean yes in the car. And then it sure as heck doesn't mean yes when you get back to your place or hers. Um, so he talks about ongoing consent. And then what I love how he talks about harassment. Um, he says, if somebody is walking past and you make a comment, he I mean, he, he says it so deliberately, like she could uh, and should basically press sexual harassment charges on you and you will be held accountable. I mean, like, when do you hear that in sports?
1: But he also goes on to talk about accountability and mm-hmm. holding your teammates accountable, yeah. which I think is incredibly important because a lot of the times, especially with those freshmen I'm talking to, they don't want to be put in that position. But when you have the coach leading the way saying, no, hold your teammates accountable. If you see them doing something that you don't think they should be doing, you should say something. And it's that just that idea of that group mentality is now being pushed in like a more positive way. Because I think that's what happens a lot is as a group, you know separately they don't think these things no right? i agree it's that herd mentality but mm-hmm. together they have some real opportunities to do some damage yeah. if they're thinking negatively like that but with a strong leader like this coach from tcu they can shift that in the other way
0: yeah it's funny when you said leader and modeling um i know this is totally off the subject but i saw just probably one of the sweetest TikToks ever um recently just the other day it was um a girl and she was sitting there and talking to her father and this girl was an uh, an adult woman with her own child and mm-hmm. her child was in uh, her father's lap so in the grandfather's lap and she asked her dad she said um why didn't you ever scream at us and the dad said i don't know i'm not really sure and she's like well think about it dad you know and meanwhile this this dad is sitting there with his grandson in his lap and the daughter was like think about it dad And the dad looked around like you could see his eyes like he was thinking he looked up to the left or something. He was trying to think and he was like, I guess nobody ever showed me to do that. And it was just really interesting. It was just one of those things where I bring it up because when you said modeling, it's so much of our, um, so many of our social norms are based almost exclusively by what's being modeled to us. If I see people, I mean, that is the by very definition of what a social norm is. If I see this being modeled over and over again, it becomes normalized for me. And then it becomes behavior that I adopt as normal because it is. Um, But when you see this TCU coach, when you see this father, I'm talking about, I don't do these things. I don't model that behavior to you because it's wrong. Now, um, as players, I'm less likely to do those behaviors. I'm going to emulate the person what's what you know the behavior that's being modeled for me. That is social norms.
1: Well, and then we get into situations like in Steubenville, Ohio, where it's the perfect storm of all the negative social norms being put into their school, onto their football team. Um, so I don't know how much our listeners know about Roll Red Roll. I don't know if you talked about it before I've gotten here. I can't remember
0: if there was an episode or not. Yeah.
1: But I always bring up Steubenville, Ohio in a situation like this. And I think because it's in Ohio, it hits so close for them.
0: Yeah. It's um, not in some faraway country.
1: Yeah. Where we talk about, you know, this community that was completely built around high school football. And I always like to make a little bit of a joke about how, how small... That community has to be for them to build their entire community, all of their cultural perceptions around high school football. Yeah. yeah. And they all kind of laugh like, yeah, that is ridiculous, even though a lot of these schools are that same size, Mm -hmm. right? Their communities are very similar. And the way that they're thinking right now that they're combating with me in conversation around is this perpetuating violence is similar in nature to how people in Steubenville thought. But I talk about how, yeah, a girl um, got drunk and she was really unconscious and, you know, multiple members of the football team made it, yeah, made it their mission to assault and really harm this girl. And I say, do I think that they would have done it individually? And all of them go, oh, probably not. Like, they probably wouldn't have done that by themselves. Right. And I was like, so we can see how them talking together in the locker room, having that locker room talk has probably perpetuated into violence That's a really good connection.
0: The, you wouldn't be saying the things about people um, uh, of different sex or gender or um, color. or You wouldn't be doing that. But because you're around the group, you're more likely to engage in this behavior, which is exactly the Stupendale case. I mean, we had, we had all these kids that have moms and dads and siblings and sisters. Many of these football players had sisters that there's no way they would have accepted what happened um, to this, this one girl, uh, the victim in this case. There's no way they would have accepted that happening to their sister. Um, So these weren't inherently, I have to believe, not inherently bad or evil people. Um, But collectively, they get inebriated. They get um, their misogyny is um, is just fueled with this social norm of all that, that that are promoted and supported with their locker room talk and just that kind of um that mentality that uh, that they're experiencing in that culture of sports so deeply ingrained in their culture of sports that yeah so, so she gets incapacitated drunk and they rape her and i mean that's that was a six hour long rape that moved from location to location um aired on you know all over social media they were sharing streaming it you know facetiming um texting i mean it was just at any point anybody could have intervened at any point and yet they didn't so
1: and i mean i think that goes back to the modeling thing you were saying Mm -hmm. is especially with these younger players coming up this is what's being modeled to them by the older players so it just continues the cycle
0: yeah and i think that was part of the I, i mean i don't think i mean i know that that was in the ensuing investigations which was which was quite a fiasco in and of itself um but part of that part of that problem was like you like you're pointing out is that these boys who were absolutely guilty of rape sexual assault and any number of other crimes child pornography that they were distributing all over on on the internet and everything um they were literally supported by their fathers and the police all the older men in the community that used to play on the football team the steubenville football team so they were all former football players protecting these guys and now what is that being now you know, as this freshman, to you know, as you pointed out, these freshmen on the football team are going. What is all this chaos? And what they see is unity between their their um, their older players, and then their coaches, and their all their coaches, peers, and all the men in the community. That's all modeled for them. They're learning, you know, nothing different. Which is, you know, if you watch the documentary, uh, which was done in two thousand eighteen, so six years after the incident, um, that town, at least from the documentary did not appear to have changed a great deal because those younger kids just grew up to do and behave the same exact way.
1: And obviously, I haven't been to Steubenville, but it has to be well known, especially with this documentary, that they they probably talk about it all the time.
0: I, 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 I think about that a lot. I can't even imagine. I think that's part of my, my intrigue about Steubenville is that how do you they feel about like I I I don't know there's part of me that feels compelled to want to go to Steubenville and and talk to them like do a podcast I mean we should we should go out to Steubenville and do a podcast I am not sure but see that's the thing is I we I I laugh and joke about it but I'm not sure I would feel entirely safe doing that
1: um I think as a woman I would not feel safe in a place that allowed for that kind of violence to be done against a young woman
0: yeah, so so what does that lend to the whole conversation of violence in sports? I I mean one of the things that I just thought was really kind of cool, um, when thinking about the violence in sports, um, is uh, was from a fam fandom um, perspective that we're not seeing as as women's sports are growing, right? We're not seeing the same uh, kinds of violence perpetuated that we've seen in men's violence. Um, so from a fan perspective, um, it was uh, reported. Um, That in the United States, Canada, and England, um, they have, uh, through a bunch of research uh, through Lancaster University, found that um, after uh, the Northwestern England um, football game, uh, domestic violence rose 38%. uh, when they lost, and 26% when they won, and they found that that trend is consistent with almost all sports across all genres, football, baseball, basketball, so increase in violence, domestic violence, immediately following a win or a loss of a football or of a game, of a sporting event, and then I think to myself, um, with um, in men's sports, we have these fans that are fighting, drunken, um, it's brutal. I mean, I can't turn on news without seeing somebody getting dragged out of a baseball game or a football game because some fight and altercation. Yet we're not seeing anywhere near that in the in the women's uh, environment um, of athletics. And one of the things that um, there was a group that basically is working towards, um, very specifically, creating a culture where in women's sports that you come as you are as a fan there's no expectation that you have to know a lot about sports you're there to support teams you're there to support people um who are athletes who are you know just just like you would if you went to the olympics you're not going to go to the olympics and break out in a big fight um but for some reason it's socially acceptable it's a social norm at a football game to i mean i think there's some stadiums that don't even drink like sell beer in there anymore or anything because people just get crazy and fight i mean what is that
1: yeah, you have to be really careful. And I know all the stadiums around us, they have specific rules around alcohol. Like They have to open it for you, and you can only have, I think, two. So you can only have enough to fit in both of your hands. Because yeah. people want to buy large amounts all at once and sit there and drink and then get very drunk and then fight. Mm-hmm. But the idea is if you can only have two, you have to keep going back so they can cut you off eventually. Um, but that's just what I've seen in our stadiums here I haven't heard about them cutting you know alcohol sales completely at stadiums I feel like that'd be a major loss in profits and I can't imagine the systems yeah. wanting to do that
0: right right well I will say regarding your um, student conversations around um, locker talk so one of the things with the coaching was in a program that we really tried to do was we oh, it was called teachable moments so uh, one of the things I would help train coaches is doing is intervening so when they walked into a locker room because coaches have a really unique perspective as a coach You have um, like an all access, all access pass to their conversations, the teens conversations, um, to the environments that support those teens conversations. I mean, you get to be in the locker room. If you walk in the locker room, you're an outsider. If I walk in the locker room, I used to go in the locker rooms all the time uh, to meet with the coach and to meet with the teens and have, you know, these talks. And um, but when I would walk in, I would watch their demeanor change. I would literally come in the door and I could hear stuff happening. And as soon as they'd see me, they would, oh, oh, you know, let's be respectful. Um, And it's like, whoa, I want to be part of the conversation. I want to hear what you were talking about before I walked in. Um, So... You know, lock coaches have these ex, extraordinary access to their their thought process, that their thought of teens. So one of the things we worked with them was to how to stop um those things in place. So if you see or if you hear something happening, derogatory statements, to stop them, um call a timeout basically, say, Hey, we're gonna have a conversation, um, go on the defensive, which was explain. Um, I guess basically explaining what it is here's the problem with this and then go on the offensive saying this is not acceptable in my team you will not be you know no longer be part of my team if you continue this behavior and when challenged with it one of the primary things that i said so to your point when your students kind of give pushback like what's the big deal we're not hurting anybody there's no girls in there to hear there's no people well one you don't know you don't know who is being hurt by it. There are guys, I promise them, that there are guys in that locker room that feel uncomfortable with that conversation, but they do not feel safe saying stop it. Uh Second thing is there is no correlation, no link, no causation um, between aggressive, hurtful, derogatory language and success on a field. There's no evidence to show that you are gonna perform better or do better if you're mean, derogatory misogynistic or or uh, aggressive there's no connection so you're doing it for what to what end there's no end there's no result there's no outcome resulting from it so you may not think it's a problem but i don't really care if you do what matters is that somebody else might think it's a problem and you don't need to do it it's not helping you win it's not helping you do any better so stop now you know i mean and assertively
1: so this is a call out to coaches Amen. amen any youth leader
0: any youth leader yeah, yeah this doesn't have to be a coach this can be a 4-h mentor this can be that camp counselor that trying to trying to build camaraderie with his you know young uh you know campers you know the teen camper boys and like trying to look tough and macho let that all go that does nothing for performance does nothing for connectivity doesn't do anything to build relationships except unhealthy um so don't don't do it
1: i had a really interesting experience with one of my dancers i'm a dance coach i think i've mentioned that a couple of times yeah. actually just last week where um not the exact same situation was she came in and she was doing an accent mm. but not well and it, i told her that it was coming across very racist yeah and i said between me and you And, you know, I love you, and I don't think you're a bad person. Right. But that what you're doing is racist, and here's how. Like, it can cause violence against other people. And, you know, there are people of different backgrounds in this room. And even if they're not saying anything, that doesn't mean they're not uncomfortable. Yeah. And she kind of had some pushback. She's like, but I do this at school all the time.
0: Well, you probably shouldn't. (laughs) Well,
1: and this student, I... I feel like I can connect with her because she actually goes to the the same school that I graduated from. And I was sharing with her how, you know, I had to go out in the world and unlearn a lot of really harmful behaviors that I learned in that school district. Or I figured it out in high school before I graduated. But still, it took, I should have known some of that stuff by the time I was 14 years old, like she is. Yeah. And I was like, but here I am. I've been where you are. Let me tell you why that's wrong and how you should change it and i'm hoping that sits in her head but we'll see but
0: so you called the timeout.
1: called a timeout, yeah mm-hmm. called a timeout, like hey let's talk about that
0: let's talk about why that's not okay
1: and i think it would have been really easy for me to just say hey stop talking like that in this class and move on with whatever i was doing i was trying to choreograph some dances but i didn't i tried to make it a teaching moment yeah. especially with how diverse that class is i think it's important to set that example
0: Absolutely. Well, let me ask you a question because just the way you said that kind of prompted me to, to think about it this way. Like when they, when some of these kids are pushing back, and I, I have examples of my own as well, even with my own kids. Um, when, when they say, "How is it hurtful?" How? I mean, so like her, her, um, her. What did you say? Impression or her doing voices or these locker room talk? Um, how does it? Actually, and will it cause every kid to harm um, other people? Does it influence all of them to be uh, aggressive and violent people? Does it, and will it, will it? Is there actual causation or is it correlation? I mean, I mean, if I was a kid, and I'm pushing back, I'm like, Caitlin, it's not going to make me. This isn't going to make me go hurt somebody.
1: The easiest thing I did this with her too because she really wasn't getting it, and I explained it because I know she gets she gets like really wrapped up in guys at 14 years old Mm -hmm. and so you know she's talked to me about things that have been said about her or get said in general that hurt her feelings okay and so i brought that up i was like what if um a male came in here and he was saying this about teenage girls in general would you take offense to that he's like well yeah because that's not true that's not accurate those are her exact words but i'm giving you the gist Yeah. And I was like, so that's how like your perception using this accent is for a person of that culture. Yeah. Like you're portraying them inaccurately. Okay. And it could make them uncomfortable. Absolutely. And you should care if you make people uncomfortable. Because I was like, I know you're a kind person. I know you want to be a kind person. And it kind of all led to a conversation about kindness. And that's kind of how I like to wrap up a lot of hard conversations like that with kids. It's like, I know you guys are kind. I know you want to be good people.
0: Yeah, appealing to that nature. of Yeah.
1: Let me help you get there.
0: Yeah. So I I think that's great. I know one of the other ones that I tried to, that I typically went to with uh, regards to some of the conversations I had with the student-athletes was... um, their perception or definition of what violence is, because they were like, I'm not going to be violent towards anybody. Then let's define violence. What does that mean? Because it sounds like to me that you think it means going out, hitting somebody, punching somebody or, or or worse. You're you're minimizing that or or just straight up denying the fact that words are violence. Words can be super violent. Um, so um, right away, the fact that you say, I'm not going to go out and be violent is already... Not true. You using the words and the language you did was already violence. Violence has already been perpetrated and committed right now by you. Um, secondly, that making a lot of people have a lot of trouble seeing um, and understanding how social norms work around um, violence. I mean, at least my understanding of it is is that um, everybody, when we see um, the, the 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 influence and the 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 you know astronomical widespread um, power of misinformation. When you share misinformation, you create other people who are highly susceptible or highly vulnerable um, or more prone to things. Um, You put them in a very different particular situation. So I might not actually go out and act physically violent towards somebody but if I am verbally violent about a population of people um, in this particular case misogyny. we're talking about athletics and the violence perpetrated against women Jim Brown and you know Deshaun Watson if I am doing these behaviors I am telling you somebody who's maybe highly susceptible and prone to being physically violent that it's okay so now you're more likely to repeat these utterances that I made and if um, you know, your dating partner, your significant other um, uh, of the opposite sex is um, resistant to that. I might be become violent because I have constantly been fed and been reinforced and modeled to me that you are you are subject you're you're subject to me. You are property of mine. So it's it's not hard. I get I get why it's hard for some people to see that connection, causation, or correlation. But it's there. It's real. The correlation, for sure. I don't know about causation, but the correlation is there for absolutely. Um, when you, the more how you think about something is how you're going to behave towards something. And if I think derogatory, negatively about women, I'm going to behave negatively towards women.
1: Well, that even goes into implicit bias and absolutely. all of that stuff we like to talk about all the time.
0: Yeah. Well, I don't know. What do you, what would you want to wrap this conversation conversation up on sports and violence? I mean, should we ban all sports? Just get rid of all aggressive sports?
1: no we shouldn't ban anything bans don't work we know that yeah but just yeah call out to people in leadership positions it's up to them to be the ones to do better and create the systems that protect people
0: i can say it better i think that's great so um so for you coaches uh listen to kaylin um call out these behaviors understand that those these behaviors aren't at all connected to your success as a team your success as a team is your cooperativeness and your willingness to work together and work hard together because that's the one thing i think is undermined by a lot of this is that athletes are amazing people super talent super hard work ethic i've never known people outside of athletes that work as hard as athletes do i mean i go when i would work, when i was doing the coaching boys and the men i'd go out there and i watch those kids in the hot weather hot you know hot fall days running up and down those bleachers until they were vomiting i mean i'm done one one time up that bleacher and i feel a little nauseous i've got to go home but they work hard dedicated committed the team connection the cooperativeness all the benefits to sports the connection to school all those benefits are being undermined when you're teaching your kids to be violent and to hurt other people so don't do it be better
1: be better i like that